what God's Word says. You know what? When the disciples followed Christ, they were not promised peace, were they? When the disciples followed Christ, they were not promised an easy life. As a matter of fact, the Lord said crazy stuff like, you know what? If you want to follow me, I don't even have a house to live in or a place to rest my head. You're going to be like that if you follow me. The Lord said, if, if you want to follow me, you, you take up your cross. And that, that, lately, that statement, you take up your cross, really has hit me hard because he said, you have a cross to bear. Might be different. Phoebe's might be different than Susan's, who might be different than Peter's, whose cross might be different than Nikita's. We all have a cross of our own specific calling that we would have to bear. Now, some people's cross, some people's life that they have to bear in following Jesus Christ might call for martyrdom, might call for great sacrifice, might call for absolute obscurity. Some of the greatest Christian people, I believe, will be those that we've never heard of, that have never made uh, the, 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 the biographer's table, have never been written about in newspapers, have never had stories mentioned about them in our modern day. What we like to do is, you know, people who are serving the Lord and been serving for many years, churches like to bring them in and give them a big celebration, right? I think some of the greatest servants of God will be those lone people who took up a mission or a call or a burden and did it without any praise, without any honor, only because they've done it unto Him. Jesus never promised them glory or peace or fame or prosperity. Actually, He promised them the opposite, didn't He? Matthew 20 says, because the, the Matthew chapter 20, let's begin reading in verse 20. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he, the Lord, said to her, What wilt thou? And she said to him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on the left, in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, You know not what you ask. And he goes on to say, Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of? and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We are able. What he was talking about was his sufferings. Are you able to take the sufferings that I will suffer? And they said, Lord, yes. And in verse 23, And Jesus said to them, You shall drink indeed of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But he goes on to say, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. See, these disciples came and the mom really asked, can, can my children sit on your right hand of glory and honor? Can my children have that position of, of, of honor next to you? And the Lord said, well, you know what? Would you be willing to, to suffer the sufferings that I suffer? For the cause of my kingdom. And the disciples answered back. Yes we will. And I think that's wonderful. Because really that's what we should be willing to say. Right? 
Right? I mean, but that's the hardest thing to say. Yes, Lord, I, I will suffer. And suffering can come in many different forms, can it? It doesn't have to just be a physical suffering or financial suffering. It can be uh, 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 carrying a burden and an anguish upon your heart for the cause of God. And it can be many different ways. But, but the disciples said, yes, Lord, we're willing. And that shows their love for Him, right? And that shows their devotion to Him, right? And that's really what we as God's children should be willing to do. And, but then the Lord said, you know what? You certainly will suffer for the cause of Christ. You will endure some of the things that I will go through. Christian, I just want to share with you tonight that that's not necessarily a bad thing. So let's pray, and I'll just give you a few things, a few thoughts. My Father, I want to thank You, Lord, for this wonderful day. God, You have surrounded this place with good people. Good people because we're all sinners. We all mess up. We all fall short at times. But good people because they, they are seeking and hungering after righteousness. They desire You, Lord. And oh God, I pray that You would save and build and disciple and, 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 and just work in and on your church here, Lord, that you would make her pleasing unto you and, and what she should be in your eyes. And, and Lord, I pray tonight that as I speak about this text, that you would give me power and the ability to communicate through your spirit what you need us as a church to receive tonight. God, I just pray for... That whatever you want, whatever you want to work in our hearts, through these things, you will do that. And that they will bring glory and honor to your name. I pray, Lord, that you would take this service and just do what needs to be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You shall drink indeed of my cup. You shall indeed suffer things for my sake everybody look at me we as christians in today's society in today's world our faith our christian faith is inundated with with just hey you know what god is so for you that he's here to just give you every blessing and give you all the things that you need am i right i mean don't we hear that all the time in our villa in spain they had English, they had Sky TV, but very minimal channels. I think mostly we had some BBC, CBCBCs or whatever that's called, and we had a, a, a slew of food channels, which I was quite happy with, Alan. I, I got to watch a lot of food shows at night, and that was great. But they had every one of the, of the religious channels that you could possibly have. I, I just went, scanned through them. There might have been, what, 10 or 12 different religious God TV channels. And not every single one of the shows that comes on there is probably rubbish. But I'll tell you what, most of it's not good. They're just talking about, you know what, God is meant for you to find the, the perfect you. Really? Really? That, that's why Christ died on the cross? So that we could find the perfect us? I, saw, I thought that Christ died on the cross so that our sins would be forgiven. You know, that, that's 
kind of what I uh, read from the scripture. And, 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 you know, we just think all the time that, you know, if we go to church, if we read our Bible, and if you do read God's word, he will bless you. He absolutely will. But we think that if we do all th- those things, that no troubles will come our way. Everybody will love us and like us. Everybody will be for us and encourage us. That no heartache and no heartbreak would ever enter us. And if that stuff does come into our life, it's because we lack faith. Matthew, a disciple of Christ, was killed by the sword in Ethiopia. Mark was dragged through the streets of Alexandria until he died through that torture. Luke was hanged on an olive tree in Greece. James was thrown from the temple to his death. Philip was hanged uh, in, in Phrygia. Bartholomew, nobody would want to be Bartholomew. Do you know how he, he died for Christ? They skinned him alive, that's right. Andrew was scourged, then tied to a cross where he preached to the people for two days before he suffered and died. Jude was uh, shot to death with arrows. Thomas was uh, 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 killed by a, a lance run through his body. Simon was crucified. Peter also was crucified, but because he didn't think he was worthy enough to die like his Lord, he asked to be crucified upside down. Matthias was stoned and beheaded, and John was exiled to the island of Patmos to be cooked. I don't know. I think these men loved the Lord, did they not? I think these men were called to the, to the mission of serving God, were they not? And yet, they all died, many of them, very horrible deaths. An old old writer who I do not know his name he wrote this do not be indifferent to Christianity it was created by the blood of Christ and preserved by the blood of the martyrs the first 300 years of Christianity was forbidden believers were publicly whipped they were dragged through the streets until they lost their life Limbs were torn off, ears and noses, and their faces were, were disfigured and, and, and cut to pieces. Their eyes were dug out with sticks or burned out with hot irons simply because they would not denounce their faith in Jesus Christ. Knives were shoved under their fingers and their nails were ripped off their hands. Melted lead was, were, was poured over their bodies. They were drowned and beheaded and crucified, ground between stones and destroyed by wild animals. I've told you about the young Scottish girl who was witnessed to by the elder Scottish lady. And, and, and when the town people heard that they no longer followed the Catholic or church and they separated themselves to that, the town said, we've lost the old woman but we need to gain the young child back. So they thought if they, if they took the two women and put the older lady, tied her to a stake, and, and put her into the ocean when the tide was out. And then they took the young girl and did the same, but 
behind the older lady so she could see what would happen. And as the tide rose up and the water began to creep above that old woman's face, they would shout at her in a rowboat, denounce and we'll take you off. Denounce this faith, come back to the church and we'll take you off the cross. The lady said nothing and died. Well, they thought the young girl would succumb to that pressure and denounce being born again. And, and, and they watched the water rise up. And as it got close to the chin, they began to say, denounce this faith in Christ and come back to the church and, and we'll take you off the Christ. And she said, I cannot and I will not. And that young teenage Scottish girl died for the faith in Jesus Christ. I hope, and I don't mean to be corny by this, I certainly hope that my mansion is not next to hers. We have no one coming in our door saying, us, saying to us tonight, denounce our faith. But do you know sometimes in pra practical expression, we denounce our faith all the time by saying other things are more important than being in church. Other things are more important than witnessing to those around us. Other things are more important than, than suffering a cost in order for something for His glory to be received. Do you understand what I'm saying? They were drowned and beheaded and crucified, torn by animals. In 1651, a, a reverend by the name of Holmes, he held a prayer meeting in his house. When the governor heard that the prayer meeting was going on in the home, he ordered the police or whatever to come in into that prayer meeting and, and take out the reverend and, and ordered him to be whipped. And they so severely whipped him that for three days, the only places, place on his body that, that he could rest upon without, you know, putting pressure on the torn flesh was his toes and his elbows. Every other part of his body was torn to pieces with the whips of those soldiers or, or police simply because he gathered a group of people together to pray and to study the Word and to worship God. And with blood still stained upon his lips, he looked at those who whipped him and said, Gentlemen, you have whipped me with roses. Do not think, do not look lightly upon your Christianity. It cost the Son of God His blood and millions of followers their lives. We sit here tonight because of those who went before us who would, not, who would not, Joe, deny the faith. We sit here tonight in freedom in this church because of others who would, who would not compromise the truths of this book. Who would not say, oh, you know what? If we give a little, if we just compromise a little of the truth, if we just say, you know what? For many, the Bible says this, but just to reach into society more so they don't think it's as harsh as it is sometimes. We'll compromise that a little bit so we can reach more. That, folks, never works because a watered-down gospel is not the gospel. A watered-down message is not the message of the martyrs. A watered-down message is not the message of the one who died on the cross for us. Amen? 
there has been a high price paid for our Christianity. And Jesus said that there would be a price to pay, a cost. At times, suffering for being in the faith. But with that price paid, there is something that is always purchased. With the disciples, it was a flourishing church. When the church was in Jerusalem, it turned that city upside down, right? Right? But how did the gospel really invade the world? Read Acts. The gospel was proclaimed as those people in Jerusalem were persecuted, namely by, by, by Saul who became the apostle Paul. Persecution pushed them out. And as they got pushed out, they didn't hide under the stones. They didn't go away and hide their faith. They didn't succumb to that pressure. They proclaimed boldly the message of salvation. And it was through that suffering and it was through that price paid that the church flourished. Amen? We forget about that. We so much live in this society where we want comfort. We go to this villa. You know what we want? We want comfort. You know what we got? We got infestation of mosquito. First night, next morning, Zachary woke up, and I'm telling you, he had more red dots covering his body and just itching like crazy. We thought, what is this? You know, we don't want mosquitoes. We come to a dry place. We come to a place of sun and bugs. We've got gecko in the bathroom. We've got ants just, we just, I, I stopped killing ants. I figured we'd just live with them. I mean, ants all over the place. You know what? We're so upset that there's ants and geckos and mosquitoes. We just want comfort, don't we? So the last night, we figured out what those big machines on the wall were. were. They were air conditioning units. We didn't know that. So Lisa turns on the air conditioning unit. Why? Because we wanted to be without the bugs that night. And we got ate up worse by mosquitoes that night than any other night we did. That has come into the Christian faith. We don't know, we no longer want to pay any kind of price for our faith. Any, you ever heard of John G. Payton? Anybody? John G. Payton was born in Scotland and he was a Protestant missionary to the New Hebrides Islands of the South Pacific. I would like to read you an excerpt from his biography. John G. Payton and his wife Mary landed on the island of Tana in the southern part of the New Hebrides on the 5th of November, 1858. They built a small house at a place called Port Resolution. In those days, the natives of Tana were, were reported to be cannibals. The missionary couple were surrounded by what they called painted savages who were enveloped in the superstitions and cruelties of heathenism at its worst. The men and children went about in a state of nudity while the women wore abbreviated grass or leaf aprons. Three months after their arrival on, on the island of Tana, a son, Peter Robert Robson, was born on 12 February 1859. But just 19 days after his birth, John G. Payton's precious wife Mary died from tropical fever soon to be followed to the grave by the newly born 
son, Peter, at 36 days of age. Despite these devastating bereavements, John Payton continued unfailingly with his missionary work in spite of constant animosity from the natives and many attempts on his life. When a ship came by one day, they begged John Payton to get on board and go back home. He lost his wife. He lost his son. One day the, 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 the native people of that island so wanted to kill him that he heard about what they were going to do and he spent, what, five days hiding up in a tree just hiding for his life. The people on the boat would come and say to him, you need to leave this place. What purpose are you serving here? You've lost everything. There's no hope in you reaching these savages with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're a fool for suffering as you are. And sometime about 1942-43, there was a pilot flying a U.S. airplane in the South Pacific. He had been badly shot up by the Japanese and he was trying to nurse his plane back to whatever base he was from. And fi finally, he, he sent out a mayday, mayday and gave his coordinates, not sure if anybody heard him because his plane was going down. And his plane crashed in, in the sea near an island. And he, he, they had already been warned that these islands in this area were inhabited by cannibals. And that if you get on one of those islands, you're as likely to die there as you would if your plane crashed in the sea. His plane crashed and he made, and he made his way to the island. And as soon as he got upon the island, the, the, the airman you know, did what he could. He tried to hide himself. He tried to gather the things that he could, hoping to maybe signal an airplane or a ship out in the sea. But he was terrified for his life. And, and then a few days into it, he saw some of the natives come up in that area. And he was well hidden, he thought. Those natives just came right up to him. And he said, oh my, I'm done. These people are going to eat me and they're, gonna, they're just going to kill me. And the native walked up, walked up to him and said, hello, do you have a Bible? See, what he didn't know was that was the very island that John G. Payton lost his wife on and lost his son on. And after many years, I think over 20 years of ministry, you know what happened? John Payton, through the power of God's Spirit, established a church there, saw souls saved there, and who knew that an airman one day, his life would be saved because John G. Payton suffered the price to preach the Gospel. And souls were saved that would have never been saved if he hadn't paid the price. And an airman today not only lived physically, but through that, through that situation came to faith in Jesus Christ. Well after John G. Payton died, the Gospel carries on. Amen? See, Payton preached the Gospel and paid a price of suffering, but that price yielded fruit. 
You ever heard of a fellow by the name of Charles Spurgeon? Anybody? If you hadn't, go in my office. You'll see a big picture of him. Out there in the front of the church, there's a little stone in memory or in honor of Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon helped start, really, he really did. He helped start, in a physical sense, this very church in 1866. I told you he gathered up a bunch of Baptist, handful of Baptist believers down the road on Chiswick Lane and organized them into a church and for 10 years paid rent and sent preachers with no fee, no, no pay. He paid for the preachers from his college to come here and preach the gospel. Before this building was here, I believe, Lynn, they had another metal building on this very place. Spurgeon's church and a fella in that church there bought the land that this building sits on and then sold it to the church here at cost for no, for no increase at all. Charles Spurgeon was, was a very famous preacher in his day and he was a part of what's called the Baptist Union. Matter of fact, Charles Spurgeon started the London Baptist Association, which this church is a part of. As things digressed in the Baptist Union at that time, and there was a controversy called uh, the downgrade uh, controversy, and basically they were turning away from the Word of God. And they were not preaching the truths as they had always been preached. And finally, though Spurgeon was very prominent in the Union, those, you know, he, uh, he had many friends in the union. Here's what he had to do. He left the union. And you know what happened? He paid a price for leaving the union. He was shunned by those who were once called his friends. His name was disdained by those he, who he used to preach with. Why? Because he stood for truth. And he was not willing to compromise for current trends in, in the favor of others. It cost him much. He left over the truth, not practice. Now today, people separate over practice, but not the lack of truth. Spurgeon paid a price. This church has been established because he was willing to pay a price. Bettina, Case, others that I can't even remember today have come to know Jesus Christ but it had to start somewhere. And it started because someone was willing to pay a price. And maybe we're not called to die. Maybe we're not called to be a martyr of the faith. But beloved, every believer in this room is called to live for God. What did Spurgeon do? He simply lived for God. I love this story and you've hear, heard me preach it so many times. It's the story of the maniac of Gadara. See, the story of the maniac of Gadara so well expresses what Christianity really should be like. What happened? Jesus got off the boat and he saw this wild man running around. He went, he went up to the wild man and he cast out the demons. When he cast out the demons, the people of the area went back and told the folks what was going on. And when they came back, what they saw was Jesus and that maniac of Gadara sitting side by side. The Bible says that the maniac of Gadara was no longer a maniac, but he was in his right mind and he was clothed. 
God, Jesus Christ, did a great work in his life, wouldn't you say? But you know what I say? He did no greater work in that man's life than he has done in your life or my life. Amen? Amen? Listen, were you not a maniac before Jesus Christ came in your life? Living your life for yourself? Living your life with, with the desire of just the things of this world? Living your life with no hope? Living your life blinded? Isn't that like what he was living his life like? The work of what Christ did in his life is no more amazing than what he's done in your life and my life. But look at the difference. The Bible says that they began to pray, ask him to depart out of their coasts in Matthew 5. Or, I'm sorry, Mark 5. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. You know what? That's what people in Christ want to do. Be with Christ. They want to follow Christ. They want to do the things that keep, him, keep them close to the Lord Jesus. But Jesus suffered him not. But he said unto that formerly possessed man, Go home to your friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And that maniac of Gadara, formerly known, departed and he began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him and all men marveled at what God had done in that man's life see there was a time well in essence he lived for the devil the devil lived in him now he wants to live for Jesus Christ what price did he pay he simply paid the price of giving the Lord his life. And what happened? We don't know. We don't know. The Bible just ends it there. He departed and he obeyed God. He gave to Christ his life. He proclaimed, he preached, he told the people what Jesus Christ had done for him. What, did, what was the price he paid? He just gave it all. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Sunday, I don't know what time, but Sunday Aaron gets on a plane. Now I'm going to take liberty in saying this so you can forgive me later because you live in my house unless you want to live on the street. Complain. Aaron is a little nervous, I think, going to China this time. Was it the last time you were in China that all this stuff happened? No. Erin lost her appendix in China two years ago. Erin lost her appendix in China. It was a perfectly good appendix. Very healthy appendix. But she went through two weeks of tests that you wouldn't want to ever go through, even with anesthesia, and she went through them without anesthesia. They said, well, we can't figure it out, so we'll just take your, gall uh, we'll take your appendix out. She had weeks of suffering and weeks of heartache and just weeks of desperation, right? Now she's going back to China to the very place that she thought she was called to stay forever, and now she's going back. Why? Because she wants to serve the Lord more than what comfort can be to her life. 
I would think, you know, Lord, that place is kind of scary. All that happened while I was there. Now I'm going back. But she's going back to tell little Chinese boys and girls how to be saved. He said, but wait a minute, Pastor. I saw the video that she showed. She's going to teach them English. Yeah, just like we give, you know, just like we give food to the homeless or clothes or, 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 you know, friendly or invite people into the home or whatever we do. We do those things. Why? To preach the gospel to people. And that's why they're teaching English to these little Chinese people because you can't just freely go in there and say, open your Bible to Romans chapter 3, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You've got to use a different route. And she's given her life to that. Amen? What is the reward for that price? Only eternity will tell what the reward for that price is. That maniac of Gadara gave his life as a price and only eternity will tell what the reward is. You say, Pastor, I'm not like those people. I've lived a life that's not pleasing to the Lord. As a Christian, I've messed up. Pastor, can God use someone who has greatly sinned? And the answer is yes, of course. Greatest example of that is King David. David's sin with Bathsheba. David's murder of Uriah. David's year-long living a life, a, living a lie before the people. Going into the temple and doing outwardly the things of religion, but inwardly he had sinned against God and God was far and he felt destitute from the Lord and it took only the prophet of God to come and preach to him basically and say, you know, you know what, David? I've told you a story about a rich man who took that which, he, which a poor man had, and you have said, we need to go deal with that rich man. And the prophet said, David, you are that very man. And when he said that, he broke and repented before God. Another time, David pride and grew up in his heart, and he sent Joab out to number the people. And Joab said, King, you're greatly blessed. You don't need to do this because he knew it was of pride. And David said, go and number the people. And when that happened, God basically said to David, I'm going to judge you. Here's your three choices. I'm going to bring punishment to your disobedience. You're going to suffer because you disobeyed me. You've messed up and you've sinned. And you know what, folk? There is consequence to sin, is there not? Here's their choice. Seven years of famine. Three months running from the enemy. Or three days in the hand of the Lord. And David said, I will take the hand of the Lord. And when David repented and he confessed and God lifted that three days of, of pestilence, three days of consequence before the people, he, he went to the the threshing floor of a fellow by the name of Aruna. And, and he, he, King David said, I want to sacrifice before God here because he has forgiven me. And Aruna said, here, take the ox, take the instruments, take anything you want and build an altar and sacrifice before God. And here's what David said. 
Aruna said to David, the Lord thy God accept you. And the king said to Aruna, no, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Now listen to this. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which does cost me nothing. And so David brought the, bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. Say, Pastor, I see the price, but what was purchased? Worship. We want to come into the house of God sometimes and we just want to worship God and, and we think, oh, we'll just give God whatever worship we can come up with. But I like what Joe said this morning. Sometimes, all the times, we need to come before God prepared. We need to come before God seeking and searching in our heart. The Bible says, um, look inside to see whether you're in the faith. You know, sometimes what we need to do is look inside to see whether or not there's sin in our heart. Have you ever searched to see if there's sin in your heart? Have you ever searched to see why does, why does it seem that my prayers are not heard? Why does it seem that I have no power to live the Christian life? Why does it seem that there's such a distance between me and the Lord? Is there something there that's causing a barrier with my walk with God? See, we want things to be so easy. And we just want to glide in and get something and glide back out. But David said, you know what? I have sinned before God. And I have messed up. But when we do that and we come and we repent and we turn our eyes back upon the Lord, you know what David said? I don't want to give God anything that doesn't cost me something. Amen? Hey, my love to Lisa costs something. Your love to the person you love costs you something. You give up certain things to love that person, do you not? Hey, BJ, you don't have any girlfriends, do you? But one. And she's sitting right there, amen? Hey, it costs you something to love Cassie. And aren't you glad about that, Cassie? Amen. Hey, hey, Imee? Never mind. You don't have any boyfriends on the side. Okay, let's get away from that. You know what? I love to ride motorbikes. And if I wanted to put my children into poverty and not eat any food and my wife to wear burlap bags for clothing, I could go out and buy a motorbike. But I don't. Why? Because I sacrifice because of my love for my family. It costs something, does it not? Does it not? See, we'll pay the price for things that we love. And, and you know what? If you love good clothing, you pay the price. It's called quid. Amen? Come on now, you do. Love God costs something. Time, it might cost things. It might be that the Lord says, you know what, Steve? I don't ever want you in this earth to ride a, a Harley Davidson because I have some other things I need you to do. I have some other things I want you to do. And you know what? I can honestly say I'm okay with that because I'd rather have Jesus, Joe, 
than silver or gold. And I'd rather have Jesus than all the riches untold. Amen? Why? It'll cost you something. Worship is not free. Because free worship is cheap. But true worship costs you something. I'll close with this. It's an old ancient prayer. And this prayer was written by seven anonymous martyrs in the 1500s. Just before they died a painful death. The youngest of the martyrs, a 14-year-old boy, refused to recant his faith despite being promised wealth for his entire life. Here's what they said as they went to their death. O Lord, Thou art our shield. We turn to Thee. For us it is a minor pain when they take our lives. Eternity Thou hast prepared for us. So when we suffer shame and stress here, when we suffer the indignity of people's accusations and name-calling and all the things that comes with following Christ and faith, it is not for nothing, for we will be amply repaid. Amen? You might never see the abundance of return here on this earth for the price you pay for your faith. But one day you will. Nikita, you and your husband raise that baby girl for Jesus Christ. But to do so will be a price to pay. But the price will be worth it. We cannot stop. Renee and Imi, our children are too valuable to ever compromise into a life of sin and we must fight the good fight and keep a hold of it and never go back amen you those of you are who are single or or maybe yet your grandmother like leovi and your children are far far away and in, in in essence you're a single person here your family's not here you know, you've paid a price to take care of your family. You've paid a price. You've made that choice. There's no difference in the Christian faith. To be a shining light for Jesus Christ, there's a price to pay. We must be as willing to pay that price as we are willing to separate ourselves from our family in order to give them what they need. Amen? The greater return will be the price that we pay to Jesus Christ. The problem is, we want a candy floss faith. We, so, we want something that tastes great, but has no sustenance or value for our spiritual health. That's why people like all this faith promise preaching. They want to hear that your words of faith have power. They want to hear that, you know what? God is in your control. And He can do nothing on earth unless you give Him the license to do it. He has the authority and the power, but you, or the power, but you give Him the license. That is a bunch of absolute rubbish. God can do what He just blooming wants to do. Justin Peter says it even better. God can do jolly well what God wants to do. You know what he calls you to do, Susan, Phoebe, Nanette, Vicki, Corey, 
Sheila and everybody else, he calls you to live for him. And to live is to pay a price. Amen? I don't have to say this, but I will. I have no doubt you won't turn. But Joe, I tell you, don't compromise. Don't compromise when you go to a church and, and they they just not preaching the truth just like they need to. You just keep looking. And I have no doubt that's exactly what you'll do. You don't compromise what God has given you in this book. You don't compromise your life just to hear something that tickles your ears. If it if if God calls us to live this faith all by ourselves, then that's what we should do. Why? Because the return will be well worth it. Don't give in. None of you. Don't compromise. None of you. Just live for God. Father, Lord, I don't really know what to say. I'm all out of words. But Lord, I'd like to just jump up and down and holler some more. That it's okay to pay the price. It's because it's what you said, Jesus, we would probably do. And oh God, I wish I could call in prayer right now every name of every person in this room. And I'm thinking of them in my mind, Lord. And I, I want us to stand strong and I want us to stand faithful. And Lord, I want, I want Your blessing to be upon this church. But it will be upon this church if we few who hear the Word and the message would be willing to sacrifice and pay the price. God, oh Lord, help us. Lead us. Protect us, guide us, fill us. In Christ's name, amen.